Um, what do we do when we gather that anchors us to Jesus, though? How does, how does the church anchor us to Jesus? Or, or put another way, what are the key elements of church family life? You maybe noticed when you walked in, or maybe you just know it, or, or you can see, I'm looking at it on our back walls right now, but our mission statement as a church is this, it's for the family, as a family of Christ. And so the question is, how does this family function? If we're doing this as a family, how does this family function? Because it's different in some ways than family, family units in our homes. Um, so what ways is it different? What, what do we do regularly together? And so we're going to answer that today. What, what is this anchor comprised of, so to speak? What is the church all about? So I'd like to go to 2 Timothy 4 to help us answer that question. We're in 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4 this morning, and it's up on the screen for you as well. It says this, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. So a little context on this passage. These are instructions to Timothy. And Timothy was the pastor of the local church in the town of Ephesus. And so First and Second Timothy are Paul, his, his discipler or his mentor in the faith. He is, it's his instructions from God to Timothy as a pastor. So applied to today, it's God's instructions from God for pastors or leaders of churches, a blueprint, so to speak, for leading a church. In verse 1 here in 2 Timothy 4, makes everything that he's about to say intensely important. He, he, he has this kind of crescendo. He's building up to something. He says, I solemnly charge you. Okay, he's, he's getting down to business. Solemnly. That means he's serious. What I'm about to say is a sobering statement that should make you stop and pay attention. I solemnly charge you. A charge, if I charge you with something, that's not a suggestion. You probably should do that. No, you need to do that. You must do this, right? That is a charge. It's like a, it's like a coach or a parent who comes alongside someone, whether they're on their team or it's their kid, and they're like, what I'm about to tell you, I want you to remember for the rest of your life because it's that important. It's that, that's what Paul is about to say to Timothy. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus. He amps it up even more. It's not just Paul's life-altering message to Timothy. It's as if this is from God himself. Before God and Christ Jesus, this is incredibly important. Take God seriously because he's the judge. Don't, don't just listen to this because I'm saying it, Timothy. Listen to it because it's from God. So what is so intensely important and life-altering from God himself? What is his charge to Timothy and to the church in Ephesus and to the church today? It's this. It's to preach the word. It's to preach the word. What, how does the church act as an anchor for our souls? We preach the word of God. 
preach the word. Preach means to proclaim. Preach is not teaching. Teaching is telling someone about some truth. Preaching is teaching on fire. You're not just telling someone, you're telling them this with passion, with power from the Holy Spirit. And it says preach the word. The word is truth from God, absolute truth from God. How do we find that? We find that in scripture, in the Bible. What really binds and ties us to the preaching of God's word in the church? What is the, um, the, the anchor or the rope, so to speak? The rope, in a lot of ways, is a couple things. It's the truth in the preaching and the truth in the other things we do, okay? So I'll put it kind of right where it's their meeting. Preaching is no good if it's not anchored in the truth of God's word. It's from the Bible. In verse three here, it says, teach sound doctrine. See, here's the thing. If I or any other leader in a church is not using the word of God as their base and their cornerstone and their centerpiece in preaching, don't listen to it because it's decent advice at best, myths and foolishness at worst. You don't need more self-help good advice from people. And you certainly don't need more foolish advice in your life. Here's what you need. You need the truth of God straight from God through his word. That's why, that's why I have this up on the screen. I'm not going to put up here a bunch of my silly points, although I do that sometimes. But when I do that, I'm trying to point to what's right there in the text. I want that in front of us. That is what's important. That is what's from God. Verse three, if you look at it, the truth in preaching should not always be what people want to hear. And even saying this is hard for me to share with you because it's not what you want to hear right now if you follow me. See, preaching the word will inevitably not always feel good. If you're under preaching and teaching consistently where all you ever hear is stuff that makes you feel good, you're being deceived. Run. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction to our hearts. And he does it out of love, right? But if someone is teaching you something that conveniently sidesteps and leaves out hard truth found in Scripture, don't listen to that. There are often scriptures, as we're preaching through the Bible, if I'm honest, that I would rather just bypass and not deal with. But I don't, and here's why. And we don't here at Stonebridge Church. Why? Because the call is to preach the word, all of it, not just the parts we like or the parts that we think you will like. The truth of the word in preaching is so important because otherwise, verse 3, it will be according to their own desires. Our own desires, my own natural desires, anyone preaching, their natural desires. What comes natural is actually sinful and selfish. So if the truth of God's word is not the base of preaching, preaching becomes about us instead of God. And any preaching that becomes about us instead of God is dangerous, deceitful, and destructive. What really binds and ties us to the preaching of God's word in the church? It is truth in preaching, but it is next, relationships. 
Okay, relate means relationships. It would have been too long. You wouldn't be able to see it. So you're with me, all right? Relate is relationships, okay? We good? Um, so truth, but relationships in preaching as well. Here's what I mean. Look at, look at the text with me again. Verse two, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. Here's my question. How do you correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience? You certainly could correct, rebuke, and encourage anyone. I could, I could do that through a screen right now. And I, by the way, I am very glad you're watching right now. And I hope if you're watching that you listen well to this and are encouraged by it. But here's the thing. Through a screen, through a podcast, I can encourage you. I can correct you a bit but I can't do it with the great patience that the good news of Jesus requires because I don't have a relationship with you. Preaching the word requires a relationship. See, you can and should get solid preaching of the word from other pastors and from celebrity pastors. Matt Chandler will correct, rebuke, and encourage you. But that's where it stops. I'm not saying this to discourage you from listening to other pastors or because I'm sitting here insecure. I'm way better. No, I'm not. There are much better preachers out there and you should listen to them. I'd encourage it. It's super helpful. But it should just be in addition to the preaching from your local church where you're committed. Here's who I'd recommend even, okay, as your pastor. And this isn't a comprehensive list, but I want to point you in the right direction, so... Uh, Matt Chandler, Alistair Begg, he's fun, he's got a fun accent, um, but preaches the word, it's great. David Platt, Louis Giglio, J.D. Greer, John Piper, um, I, could, I could keep going. Um, you can ask me about others as well. There's also some to avoid, but I'm not going to have a blacklist in this message, all right? So if you want to know the ones to avoid, I'd, I'd be happy to tell you that later, if you want to talk. Um, but when we do this... Don't pretend, in your, even in your mind, like they are your pastor, because they aren't, and they can't be. They will not show up when you're at the hospital. They will definitely not take your calls or your texts, and they certainly won't be praying for you regularly by name. They will not be there to encourage you, to challenge you, or to empower you in your gifts and your abilities. You need pastors and leaders in your everyday context in life, preaching the word of God to you. Why? Because they know you in, in, and the unique ways that you struggle and the unique joys you have going on in your life. They know the boon area and the unique challenges that we all face because of living, of living in this area. They can relate like someone in Texas could never do. <laughs> Preaching the word in truth is critical, but listen, preaching the word in relationship is vital. Preaching is not just a formal Sunday sermon either, okay? It's not just what I'm doing right now, okay? Preaching, correcting, rebuking, encouraging, teaching happens all the time within the life of a church. Matt, Ryan Graydon, Josh, others who are preaching on Sunday morning, are not the only preachers at Stonebridge Church. There are many, 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 many other people preaching the word all the time around here. And I love it. 
as we speak in that wing, there are teachers in our D6 children's ministry preaching the word to your kids right now. There are connection group leaders, not just once a week, but throughout the week, who are preaching the word to the people in their group. There are men's Bible study leaders, women's Bible study leaders, youth leaders, and informally, many of us, as we rub shoulders with one another, preaching the word to one another. And we need that just as much as we need what I'm doing right now. I got a note uh, in the mailbox the other day, last week, and... uh, I really needed someone to preach the word to me. The preacher needed some preaching, okay? And I got a note in my mailbox at home, went on a run, came back, and there was some scripture on it, and it was a really timely word. And it had a Mountain Dew with it as well, which helped. Um, it's a form of preaching, I think. But um, no, she was, the, the, the preacher was getting preached to. See, and it was, just, it was a verse and an obnoxious card. We don't need to get into this. But, um, but the, it was funny. It brought me laughter. Joy is good for the soul. You know, but um, no, it, was, it was incredible, though, because it was the, the truth of God's word. Like, I, I didn't even notice there was this, this funny element to the, the gift because I just needed that word from God when it came. Words matter. God's word matters. I'm not the only one who should feel the weighty call of 2 Timothy 4 to preach the word. You preach the word in truth and in relationship with one another. What else do we do when we gather that anchors us to Jesus, that keeps us in in Jesus' cove? If we don't just preach, we sing. So I want to flip on over to Colossians 3.16 with you. Colossians 3.16, and it's very similar to the passage we just looked at in 2 Timothy. Some context, it was written directly to the local church in Colossae. And these are instructions for when they gather together. Here is instructions for this church. It says, Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. See, he reemphasizes 2 Timothy 4. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Let the truth of God's word in relationship dwell among you. Relationship. Let, let that be the glue as you meet together. And yes, let the word of Christ be preached. Let it be taught. But here, it's not just through teaching and preaching of the word. It's through singing as well. See, we don't spend half, sometimes more than half of our service singing for the fun of it. We are told by God to sing and that singing anchors us to Jesus Christ. Singing connects our heads to our hearts. It gives our emotions a chance to sync up with our intellects. Singing drives home the truth that we preach in God's word better than I could ever drive home the truth of God's word. 
See, people hardly ever leave church. You know this. You've experienced this. You'll experience it today probably. But people hardly ever, sometimes they do, but hardly ever leave church with a line from the preaching stuck in their head. Going, oh, singing connects our heads to our hearts. Singing connects our heads. Yeah, right. Okay, you're not going to walk out of here today. I'm not... I'm not buying it. You're going to walk out of here today with, you're the only one who can. You're going, to, you're going to have something like that stuck in your head today when you leave. People leave with lyrics of songs stuck in their heads and ministering to their hearts throughout the week. And that's why we sing. But what binds and ties us to the church through singing? It's the truth in the singing. It's the truth. In the lyrics, this verse says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. And then a little farther down, through, how does the word dwell richly among us? Through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, singing. Right after preaching, the main vehicle for the truth of the word of God in the local gathered church is song. Singing is of massive importance, and it's of even it's of massive importance that the lyrics in our singing are true. That the lyrics we sing align with the truth of God's word. This is so important to us at Stonebridge Church, and I would contend should be at every church. Josh and I evaluate each song together by by using a grid that we both fill out and then we go back and forth on the song before a song ever shows up here on Sunday morning and we rate and we weigh things like lyrical depth, lyrical clarity, theological accuracy, singability, musical quality and difficulty, emotional engagement amongst other things. But notice in there, theological accuracy is the truth of God's word in this song and does it, does it line up with it? Sometimes we don't do songs here because they're not biblically accurate. This is not a concert. This is not a show. There are songs that are top hits on Christian radio that there are parts of them that just don't line up with Scripture. So you won't see us doing them here. Let me give you an example. Okay, this song has kind of become a staple um, because a couple, was it last Easter? I think it was last Easter where the, the sound just, like the, uh, the, the whole system just went down and we started belting it out together, acapella. It was fun. Was that last Easter? Yeah, okay. Time goes fast, I guess. But um, the song is Promises by Maverick City. And so I want to, I wanna, I'm just going to, I'm going to sing the chorus and then I want you to sing the last line of it, okay? Just from memory, all right? So, um, I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. Wow, so do you know what? That's not the right line. So it is what we sing here, though. And here's what I'm trying to show you. We, Josh and I both felt it was necessary to change that lyric to, In Jesus I Am Found. The actual song says, He'll never let me down. And here's why we changed it. Jesus will let you down. He doesn't do what you want him to do all the time. It, I mean, this lyric could mean he'll never let me down. They could be meaning that he will never set us down, right? Or, or um, it could mean that he'll never 
let go of us, right? But it's not worth explaining that every time. And guess what? When you get it stuck in your head and you're singing it throughout the week, I don't get to stand, Josh and I don't get to stand up here and explain it to you. We don't want lyrics stuck in your head that could possibly deceive you and even even have you mad and upset at God because he let you down. And I'm not blaming other churches that, that use that lyric or whatever. They've, they've weighed it themselves and whatnot. But I just want you to see a, a real example. Lyrics matter. In Jesus, I am found. Now that is going to anchor you. Why all the hassle about the lyrics? What we sing together as a church matters because it sticks with you. And we want the truth sticking with you throughout the week. What else really binds us and ties us to the church through our singing? Just like preaching, relationships. Colossians 3.16, let me read it again and, and do some emphasis. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Among you, one another, Singing alone to worship God is good and helpful. I would recommend it. But singing together is what makes it church. We're gathered in his name. Look around sometimes while we're singing in here. We are singing this together. Why does Josh pull off the mic sometimes? Pull back from the mic so we can hear each other singing to remind us that we are singing this together. Now, there are Sundays, inevitably, where you and I will show up to church and we won't want to sing because we just don't want to. We don't feel like it. Our hearts are not there. But then, I'm sure you've had this happen, you hear other people singing what's true and you just get drawn in. See, we're in this together. We're not alone. Maybe, maybe if you're struggling when you're walking into church, I don't want to engage. I don't want to sing today. Ask someone to pray for you. Say, hey, pull them out in the lobby. I need some prayer. My heart's not in a good spot. Sit by someone maybe and say, hey, I'm kind of struggling today, and I just need a friend to sit by. Or position yourself. Sit in front of someone you know who is really expressive or loud in their singing to help you kind of get into it and go, oh yeah, I really do believe this and I really do want to sing it. But that would require you to sit somewhere different, so maybe not a great suggestion. <laughs> See, corporate worship, singing the truth of God's word in relationship with one another is like a defibrillator to our spiritual hearts each week. Like, it, it jolts us awake to what's true and what's good in a world that's full of lies and full of evil. And we all need that more than once a week. We, we, we need this a lot. We, we just, it's just like, whoa, I'm not feeling it. And it's just like, oh yeah, that's true. This is good. This is what my life's all about. This is why we sing. It immediately reminds us that we are not alone in following Jesus. And it beckons us to draw near to Jesus on those days where we don't feel like it. So what do we do when we gather that anchors us to Jesus? We preach and we sing. Next week, we're going to focus on this the whole week. We do more than just preaching and singing around here and in church. churches. We support one another as well. Here, that doesn't really fit there. So I want you to see it there. We support one another. 
But that's next Sunday's sermon, so I won't get into that too much. But truth and relationships make all of these things function well. Why do we need anchored? Why? Talked about how the church anchors us and the elements of that, but why? Here's why. The Sunday morning sermon is not the only message that you're, you're hearing in your life. The Sunday morning worship songs are not the only songs being sung to you and that you sing. See, there are other songs, there are other sermons, so to speak, other messages that are being preached to us all the time. And they start to tempt us to let the rope out a little bit, okay? And, and drift over here out of Jesus' cove. Eh, maybe. This boat doesn't want to leave Jesus' cove. That's good. Other coves preach and sing to us throughout the week that we need to be aware of. Now let me be clear. You don't, you don't lose your relationship with Jesus, okay? But we slowly start to distance ourselves from the church. And yeah, we're still following Jesus, but man, we're, we're really putting our ear up over here to this cove as well. And that can be very destructive very quickly to our hearts. What are some of those coves? There's a lot of them, but I just want to give you three. And the first one you probably wouldn't think of right away, but it's probably the most preaching you hear out of uh, besides what you're hearing right now in your life. And it's, you don't even have to leave your seat right now to start to enter this cove. It's your own thoughts. We preach all sorts of false things to ourselves all the time, don't we? Sometimes it's rather crazy when we step back and look at it, right? So, for example, maybe you're struggling in relationship with someone else and you have this thought preached to you from your own thoughts. Just give up on that relationship. It's not worth it. Later, you have the thought, no, I should just tear them to pieces. Both of those messages, those sermons in our minds, so to speak, are not biblical or God-honoring truths, are they, of handling relationships with one another? See, we need to be aware of the false preaching that's going on right here. Next, of course, media. There are messages, agendas, sermons being preached all the time that are totally false. Even in ads, Okay, and think, think of it like this, a Snickers ad. Snickers satisfies. Well, I mean, in a way, yeah, it does, right? But not really. It comes and goes. It does not satisfy you. What really satisfies me? So you can hear that message. That's cool, but what really satisfies me is Jesus. See, it's subtle, but it's there all the time, and that's, that's one of the more innocent ones, right? And I'm not saying cut all media out of your life. I'm not a proponent of that, okay? But at least be aware of what you're taking in. The shows, the movies, the commercials, the news, they're all preaching something. And the question is, is it true? Another cove we can start to drift off into is social media. 
People are always putting a polished, curated version of themselves up on there. And they do it to make, and, and well, they maybe don't do it for this purpose, but it also often makes us feel jealous, defeated, and stuck. I remember Mother's Day. It's next, it's next Sunday, guys, by the way. Don't miss it, okay? A few years ago, and the reason I share this is because a few years ago, I forgot about it, okay? Yeah. And I posted a picture later on Facebook where we were at, we were out to eat, as a family, and Heather's smiling, all looking good, but Heather was not happy, because, <laughs> I mean, she, I forgot about it, and I did this last second. We, oh, let's go out to eat, you know, it was just not thoughtful, not good at all, right? A friend complimented me the next day for it. Hey, wow, way to go on Mother's Day, and I laughed at them, said, no, dude, like, I screwed it up. But then I realized, oh, wow, that is, that's the vibe I gave off on social media. See, people are always putting polished, curated versions of themselves that are false. Pe- people are also preaching whatever they deem as, quote, unquote, truth and stating it as fact on social media. Don't be deceived. Social media promotes often, not always, but often unhealthy ways of relating with one another as well, even in the body of Christ. It very easily gives us permission to gossip freely. It very easily gives us permission to not go to the other person when we have problems with them, like scripture tells us to. It gives us permission very easily to not be kind or gentle or the other fruits of the Spirit. And there's a ton more coves that could be talked about where we hear countless sermons. But here's what we need to know, because I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. The water is connected, all right? The water is connected. The truth of Jesus' word can be found in your thoughts. The truth of Jesus' word can and is found in media sometimes. And the truth of Jesus' word can be found on social media. We just need to watch our ropes and make sure that we're not distancing ourselves from the, the pure truth and relationship of God's word through preaching and singing and support of the local church and just get over here and pretty soon our ropes let go and we're just drifting all over the place. Oh, Jesus, cool today. And then I'm over there, and then I'm over there, and then I'm over there. And we're all over the place. We just need to watch our ropes and go, you know what? I really need Jesus, and I really need his church, because that was his design. Being anchored isn't just learning new things about God's word, though. It's being reminded of the foundational truths of God's word that we already know. Reminded of the heart of the message of all of the word of God, which is the gospel. So Tim Keller said this about the gospel. He said, the gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A through Z of Christianity. The gospel is not just the minimum required doctrine necessary to enter the kingdom, but the way we make progress in the kingdom. The church is essential because it anchors us again and again and again to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. So I want to end today by preaching to you the gospel straight from the word of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. 
Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as a most important what I also received. Here it is. It's so plain, it's so simple, but so profound and changes your life and will continue to change your life. Don't miss it. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Let that message anchor your soul as you continue to commit yourself to God's bride, to Jesus' bride, the church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you for this church. As I look around, I thank you for the anchoring of my own soul and the preaching that I've received from those in these seats here this morning. I thank you that you've entrusted me to preach your word right now here this morning. I pray that you would help all of us to take that call seriously to preach the word to one another. And we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ that you did die for our sins and that you were buried, but you are alive today and you rose on the third day. And that news and that message should change our lives and hearts, not just once, but again and again and again as we sang earlier, Lord. So we thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, that there's new life in you. I pray that we would commit ourselves afresh. Not just to you, Jesus, but to what you said was your bride, the church. And we thank you for the incredible blessing that the church is to us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.